When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Baldly Go, the officially unofficial podcast for all of Star Trek. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And this week we're talking Strange New World, Season 2, Episode 10. It's Hegemony. It's the finale of Season 2. Aaron, what'd you think? It is a solid episode. It is a solid half of an episode because this is Strange New World's first to-be-continued Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how it's going to end, but I already t- I can already tell you it's not going to be as good as Best of Both Worlds. <laughs> That's exactly what came to my mind. I'm like, because, okay, somebody got taken over by aliens. Yeah, yeah, because that finale had the balls to have Riker give a decisive order, not just to have him flop sweat for 60 seconds on the bridge, as you have various dramatic mm-hmm. camera angles and and background voiceovers of Unichin Riley desperately asking her captain to make a decision, any command decision, honestly. Just say something, Pike. Christ. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sing it I'm, if you I'm, have to. Exactly. I guess I'm, I'm sounding a little bit more negative than, than uh, I'm, I'm intending. Um, good, good. But, yeah, no, I, I like this episode. Um, I like the Gorn. It's one of those things where it's like, this is shaping up to be such an iconic star trek villain um that it makes me wonder how the heck we never really considered gorn as a serious threat before like one of the theses of this series now has to be make it make sense to me that the gorn can be like trustworthy allies or at least like you know not going to come through and take try to take over the federate because they just seem terrifying Mm -hmm. i mean they're gonna have to like i don't know founder style genocide them right and well, even then that comes though. back on them later right, yeah right? i mean they, they, well i mean in the time like, of like tng like how did they not yeah <laughs> how is this not an issue they're I, I feel like they're are setting the groundwork that they're going to have some kind of like well we just don't understand the gorn you know we're driving them crazy with these solar flares and and whatnot our brightly lit mm-hmm. ships are just like buffet invitations I, I i'm not sure but they they need to answer that to, to i guess the average fan satisfaction um but the big the big lead is chief montgomery scott mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in the form of uh, young lieutenant scott uh that came out of nowhere i was not anticipating seeing another old face uh on on the enterprise what do you what what do you think of this episode and the scott reveal yeah i think everybody was looking for the mccoy right because you want to get the trifecta together um scott came out of nowhere for me too and we we see him before we realize who it is right although i i bet you know observant fans were really like oh I've, i know who that is uh, well, I was that was my question. To you is like, did you? Because I got it about ten seconds early, which is about you know, because nice. I'm like red shirt, Scottish accent, no. And then <laughs> I'm an idiot apparently because I didn't get it until he said I'm Lieutenant Montgomery Scott. Yeah, I'm like, oh, oh, I recognize that name. Yeah, 
Yeah. Uh, big, uh, big deal. I really like this episode. I think, you know, they've been teasing the Gorn shit all season, right? Um, sure. Got the admirals worrying about it, and and it's kind of in the background in this episode. Uh, it's thrust into the foreground. I, I, I guess I hadn't been getting impatient. I hadn't been like, okay, when are they going to do something with this Gorn stuff? They did that pretty well. Um, and so this episode didn't feel like, oh, finally. It felt more like okay i'm excited to see what they've got in store for this um i i i like the gorn i think you know this is a this is a very different kind of trek than i'm used to if you look at action scenes from like a tng or something they're barely passable as tv action scenes this stuff is so much better um (laughs) you look at picard and some of those are barely passable as tv action scenes this stuff's a lot better i I really like the the scene with spock and uh chapel fighting one of the Gorn together. Um, oh, the aftermath of menacing. that while, while they're embracing in space as the oh, saucer yeah, of the Cayuga. Yeah, I mean, it's just, just yeah. jaw-dropping. Yeah, some great imagery there. Um, and, you know, I'm I'm okay with this just being aliens, right? I I think the first time around, I was really like, are, did you just rip off Ridley Scott that hard? Are, are you that shameless, and it was a cool episode, no doubt, uh-huh. but it, it left something a little bitter in, in my mouth. Uh, just wholesale lifting alien. Uh, this so time I, around, I'm like, oh, okay, they're, they're going to do it, and I'm okay with that, I guess. That's so funny, because I've had the, are they real? Because the first is like, okay, yeah, okay, chestbursters, whatever. But now that we've seen an adult Gorn, they are, I mean, you're kind of... I mean, they, yeah, like the yeah. tail, uh-huh. the life cycle, the uh, <laughs> the the scanners, the movement scanners are making the exact same. Yeah. Like, yeah. Are, someone had to write a royalty check to James Cameron for that. Had to. Like, I don't know how I feel about the fact that they're just shamelessly leaning into it, like 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 using recognizable sound effects and like uh, just like some camera angles of like that tail dropping down. I mean, yeah. that's that's just yeah. totally, yeah. totally pilfered from Ridley Scott and James Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, and I when Spock make... shouts, get away from her, you bitch. Yeah, that's... right. Yeah, I, I thought that was uh, and they ripped Data in half. And he sp- spills uh-huh. all his Android milk all over. I yeah, I, yep. I, I don't I, I don't know. It's like. I guess it's better to be shameless than to be like, no, alien. What the hell? I've never even heard of Geiger. Barely right. knew her. Like, then you, I, can, I, <laughs> then you can at least claim it's an homage, right? Yeah. But now it's just, yeah, I don't know. I, and Because, like, I can't think of any other Star Trek villains that are kind of like that. You know, like the Borg were essentially space zombies you know with a little bit of like collective conscious throw in like the the uh, romulans and the klingons were wholly original inventions based on you know kind of how we felt about uh, the Ch- chinese communist russian communists uh you know the quote unquote bad guys of the si- 60s this is the first time i can think someone just control c control v and i'm like again it doesn't really bother me but it's like one of those things where like if this is going to be the signature villain for the series Boy, they need to find a way to differentiate themselves a little bit because, you know, what's next? Pike's going to crash land on a prison. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, Look, Star know, Trek's not above prison planets for sure. Yeah, Betel, <laughs> B- Betel because she got, you know, impregnated by the Gorn, she's going to turn into a half-Gorn, half-human mm-hmm. hybrid with super oh, God. Like, where, I mean, Ron I'm Perlman so saying. Here? 
Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, we started Alien. We moved on to Aliens. Like, maybe pump the brakes before we just start uh, yeah. d- down that path. That's the, that's the only... the Because, the, I, I mean, they work. They're very scary. They look amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, it's really funny to go back and see, like, the Gorn from the original series. And then you compare him to, like, the fully adult Gorn we see in here. And it's just like, man, there's, there's, there's no contest. Like, I don't think Kirk... I don't care how many bamboo bazookas he's got. I don't care how many. I don't think. I don't think yeah. Kirk takes these guys on a fair fight in in, in conventional gravity one on one. But they've they have tried in the past to to come up with an explanation about what happened to the Klingons that changed their appearance so drastically. Are they going right. to try and do that with the Gorn? <laughs> Are they going to hit the any Gorn way with a, to possibly do that? Yeah, you hit the Gorn with a retro evolution virus that devolves them to be more lizard like. And uh-huh. it's like, yeah, Strand that's what happens. Planet, so yeah. now they're just they're <laughs> the sleeve sack looking dudes. Yeah. I, I, that could be, yeah, you could do that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that works as well. Um, but I don't know. We'll see what they do with it. Uh, I, I say lean into it at this point. Like, it's obviously what they're doing. It's shameless. Just do it, you know? But, yeah, it's better uh, to yeah. do it in the open than to try to, you know, pr- convince people that you're not doing it. But uh, oh yeah, really... you, you have to gaslight people. That's like I said work. when that motion tracker started up. I'm like, oh my god, holy cow! Mm-hmm. All right, uh, yeah, maybe we should get into the episode then. Yeah, let's do it. Set phasers to add. We'll be right back. Captain on bridge. Welcome back to Baldly Go. We start off with Captain Battelle's log. Uh, the Kyuga is at Carnassus Beta. Small, it's a small town, Midwest-style planet. And they're there to help stabilize crops, provide vaccinations. Uh, Chapel's helping, apparently. She's doing her fellowship on the Cayuga. Is that... No, she's on yeah. route to her fellowship. The Cayuga is the taxi that is okay. taking her there. That she she could get gotcha. there a couple days early by accompanying them in the mission. And I was a little confused on my first Weird. watch on that too. But but yeah, okay. Uh, Pike calls Battelle for no reason just to talk, and then everyone's comms go out mid call, and a giant alien ship breaches the atmosphere. I don't think we've seen one of their ships before, so I wasn't immediately. Uh, picking up, hey, this is Gorn. Not their full-on attack cruiser, I do not think. But uh, when the Gorn music started up, that was... Oh, uh, yeah? Yeah, the... Uh, I thought that was kind of cool. It's also a little Independence Day 4, this big saucer-looking oh, yeah. thing coming into the atmosphere. Um, I have so many thoughts about this opening scene. When they started off, and this is place is looking like Woodbury... You know, mm-hmm. from uh, from from Walking Dead, I'm like, how are they going to justify the fact that they're just landing on a 20th century Earth town? Uh-huh. And where they're like, oh, it was intentionally constructed on a small town model, going after like the you know the mid 20th century Midwestern United States. I'm like, this is. St-. But then I'm realized I live in a neighborhood where it was constructed deliberately to look like Tudor architecture like 16th century 15th century english architecture it's not that crazy it's not that crazy for a particular founder to get a wild hair to be like i really like that aesthetic i really like you know 
the the small town mystique into i i don't i don't know if they're a one-to-one like you know you have like a fucking ben franklin and a five and dime and a barbershop on the corner but like mm-hmm. I, I guess it wasn't as ridiculous as i might have first met did you have similar thoughts or are you just like fuck it it's a star trek planet yeah why not uh and they have a lot of like future tech mixed in there too right it seemed yeah. to me like there were maybe some electric charging stations for vehicles instead of you know gas stations and stuff like that so it was a a little modified a little brought into the 23rd century uh the other thing don't you miss the days where the enterprise could just ferry around uh a cargo hold full of vaccines and have no one thought to think like it was just like oh this is just uh this is just the the most boring bland universally humanitarian good cargo we can have the enterprise going around and and now it's uh i don't know i guess i guess if uh, i was on the other side i might think that wouldn't it wasn't it nice to be living in the days where you could trust that the vaccines were safe and not reprogramming you to be a 5g <laughs> tower but mm-hmm. ah <sighs> anyway um yeah well they're asking for all this assistance right um uh, it seems like stuff was not going super well there maybe i mean if you're talking about having to come in to stabilize crops maybe they were having some food shortage issues yeah it it does seem like this is maybe a not well thought through settlement they settled outside the the federation on a border sharing with gorn um Mm -hmm. you know maybe the federation wouldn't approve their 1950s america plan they're like, ah, we have some concerns <laughs> oh. about this. Uh, but 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 for whatever reason, yeah, I kind of got that idea, too, that this is a colony that needs a lot of help to get on its feet and is going to get a lot of help becoming meat instead. And the Federation is kind of courting them to join, uh, seemingly, by offering Is that what it is, or are, they just do, I, or are they just do-gooders? I don't know, because Battelle, when she's talking to Pike, says something about, like, well, it's balanced between protection and uh, some putting a target on their heads, I think, is what she says. Mm. Uh, and in reference to them potentially joining the Federation. So I think, I mean, the Federation is always looking for new members. Yeah, they so. have this soft power that it's like, oh, isn't it nice to be friends with the Federation? And before you know it, uh, mm-hmm. that place is hoisting the blue flag. and Yeah, you got their first citizen in Starfleet. Yeah, exactly. Um, this this shuttlecraft that's crash landing in the background, I think that's you're supposed to understand that that is Chief that's Montgomery's that that's uh, Chief Scott or I guess Lieutenant Scott uh, crash landing, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, at first, I was wondering, oh, is Chapel on that right? Because we're we're all concerned with where's Chapel uh, right. during the course this episode, so that maybe she had crashed because uh, the Cayuga is not looking good once we spot it. But yeah, that's Scotty's shuttle. And then uh, Battelle puts out a distress call saying they're under attack by the Gorn. Enterprise picks it up and starts speeding there. And Pike calls up the Admiral who tells him he'd like to avoid war with the Gorn so Pike needs to play it cool there. Can I say that I really like that they have a, a consistent Admiral like I, I always thought that was weird in the next generation, where like anytime you talk to an admiral, it's always somebody different. Like, god damn, is there not a like once you get out of the captain chair, is there no chain of command? It's just 
bunch of admiral staff a fucking phone bank at in in san francisco and just the first call this pickup it's like isn't there like yeah. fleets and sectors and like you, you gotta you gotta fit in there somewhere right you should be reporting to the same guy for at least a season or two i, I yeah. like that they have this consistent admiral april where you can kind of get an idea of his style of command what he's mm-hmm. about how flexible he is we got i i i i'm enjoying that even yeah, though he doesn't show up a lot this season right right he's in there a few times he's um, mentioned a ton though and that gives you like oh i yeah I, you can kind of put mm-hmm. the name at the face and they were better about that after tng i think uh like ds9 had a pretty stable admiral but they were they were friends right cisco and him so mm. he's kind of the go-to admiral i think admirals just have so much vacation time that every time yeah. you call it's like well that admiral's on vacation so you right. gotta speak to this you, other admiral yeah you get the you get the substitute admiral <laughs> Yeah, they work about four weeks a year. That's what I'm getting. Um, it's interesting, though, because, like, beginning of this episode, Pike, you know, uh, dealing with the potential death of his beloved, of his girlfriend, is taking a hard line against Agorn. You know, like, we, I've met them. You can't understand them. They're just monsters. And April comes back with, uh, well, that's the thing about understanding versus monsters. A lot of times what you think is a monster is just something you don't understand. Mm-hmm. midway through this episode pike will be ruminating on that long enough that he's kind of coming around to like gosh we just have to figure out what it is about these gorn that are setting us off yeah i mean it's why the the end of this episode is so strong because he's got a choice to make and you know how he feels about it personally right he's had an experience with the gorn that has made him think they're just monsters they have infected uh captain patel who you know is very important to him he's kind Mm. of pissed off he's taking it all personally right but he's also in charge of the future of the federation so you know you fire this shot this might be the start of a war that you can't win yeah it's a gray area these are i guess federation citizens but they're in a un you know outside the federation jurisdiction colony um so it's a delicate thing it's like it's very especially Mm -hmm. now that we know what Gorn conquest looks like in terms of the impregnation and chest bursting of everything that's uh, distasteful to the Federation but also there's an element of like oh they fucked around and they're finding out now you know it's not going to be just a crop failing and the space mm-hmm. plague that gets them yeah and the the way they portray the Gorn occupation let's say is pretty brutal uh not, not just because they're monsters and they come down and tear people up, but they trap you on the planet, right? Like, they they send down this tower thing that cuts all communications, cuts the ability to transport out, and you're stuck there with them. And yeah. hand-to-hand, one-on-one, most species don't seem to be a match for the Gorn. Yeah, that's a, that's that's exactly right. And um, that's like, yeah, that that's the, the kind of like the, the trap door swinging shut. Yeah, and there's no way. Even if another ship arrived to help, they're going to be. It's there's just going to be another victim wriggling in the net. Uh, it is is chilling, and I guess that's the one distinguishing difference um, that you would think between the Borg and the Gorn, or I'm sorry, the aliens from Alien and Gorn, mm. is that Gorn have a civilization? They are thinking creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, at at some level, it's not just like a queen that's directing by instinct. Like this is a an intelligence that's pitted against you. So that alone, like you know, if 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 mm-hmm. the if the aliens were from the Ridley Scott movies were actually intelligent, um, they would be even more terrifying. But um, 
yeah, the Gorn build spaceships. They they wear space suits, right? They they ha- clearly have a very strong scientific understanding. They're yeah. very you know intelligent. What's scarier than an alien? An alien with a pulse rifle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> an alien with yeah. a space suit. A space suit. You just can't wave a flamethrower around and kill him. So Enterprise arrives at Carnassus to find the Cayuga. Nothing but a cloud of debris. Yeah, that's uh, a really slick uh, CGI environment. The destroyed Cayuga. It looks just really yeah. cool. It, you yeah. know, you, we've seen some carnage in Star Trek before. Uh, I imagine the the newer shows have a lot more than this, but like I'm thinking like Wolf Three Five Nine and yeah, how like this is just like it's like this one little teeny scene uh, just puts all that to shame. <laughs> sure. And this scene, you know, when you see this, you're supposed to be thinking, "Oh my God, where's Chapel?" Right. Um, right. Not where I thought she was. Yeah. How could you possibly survive something like this? Yeah. And over the course of the next few scenes, they'll be like, uh, they'll start to kick open the door to that, right? Like, well, you know, it looks bad, but there's some pockets of life support, maybe. Mm-hmm. And we yeah. know just from the timing that she was unlikely to be on in sick bay. So that was like mm-hmm. a, a smoking crater kind of thing that they, but we know that like, yeah, she's probably somewhere between the uh, transporter room and sick bay. So mm-hmm. there's, 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 there's still hope, still hope spot. Yeah, because they don't just transport you directly to where you want to go. They transport you to the transporter pads for some reason, and then you have to walk mm-hmm. to where you want to go. So it's more energy efficient. We got the pads focusing the energy, you know. Okay, yeah. You just want to do just be doing point to point transports all willy nilly. <laughs> it's too too inefficient. That's mm-hmm. you know they don't want to tax the matter antimatter engines that Fair. just barely keeping up with the power power of the demands of the ship. Yeah, you want to get stuck in the buffer because that's how you get stuck in the buffer. It's true. I don't want to get stuck in a buffer. No. Uh, the Gorn have an interference field disrupting comms, transporters, everything. Uh, another Gorn ship warps in. It's a hunter ship, apparently there to look for, uh, you know, to keep a perimeter here. Um, Starfleet calls saying they received an image from the Gorn. It's their declared border with the Federation. And Carnassus is just inside the new Gorn space, Enterprise just outside. <sighs> There, there's a lot of things that really, uh, really beggared my my suspension of disbelief. This demarcation line that's uh-huh. between the orbit of the planet and the moon that's orbiting, like, can yeah. someone please draw me a map of how this works over a day night cycle? It's can, like can... the Klingons and the Federation sharing that the uh, deuterium planet or dilithium planet, whatever it was. Yeah. Where you know half the year they get it, half the year the Federation gets it, right? <laughs> But even crazy, it's like it's like drawing a line. It's like drawing a line down the toilet bowl and saying this side is yours and this side is mine, and then flushing it. Like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if we want to rescue the crew of the, let's just wait like six hours until the planet rotates into our section of the space, and then we take it. But it's yeah, it's bonkers. It's literally only there to let you know that. <laughs> They can't yeah. go to the planet, right? Just so you can have Pike seethe across a littered star field with his girlfriend's debris, presumably, uh, and look at that Gordon ship that's going, yeah, yeah, you can't touch me. You know, it's it's that. Yeah. It's that. Yeah, totally. No, that that was ridiculous. Uh, but they also, um, I, they don't really do anything with this, but they suggest that, uh, you know, Starfleet protocol to try to make uh, communication in any way possible. 
and Uhura points out they could do visual signals like lights and fires and whatnot from both the ground and inside the ship. And they talk about mm-hmm. um, putting people for, you know, keeping an outlook for that kind of stuff. But then nothing really comes of it. I thought they were going to get to something like that with Nurse Chapel and the flashlight. But uh huh. The, the, yeah. She starts to try something like that, but then it goes nowhere. Uh, maybe well, they'll try it next episode. It's, and then she she's much more uh, interested in the idea of just directly getting Spock's attention, who's in front mm-hmm. of her. But yeah, I, yeah. I wondered because I'm like, oh, that's kind of interesting, clever. I could see how that. Uh, but maybe they're also doing some work to suggest that there is some alternate because they they talk about how the Gorn ships apparently communicate through visual signals, like they have some mm-hmm. kind of patterns that they can show on the outside of their hull. Um, I thought maybe they were they're going to suggest a commonality, like maybe in part two that they they do communicate with beams of light and whatnot to the Gorn, so they're going to tie it together that way. But that's that's like a one sentence throwaway line that you're gonna have to remember. You're gonna have to hold hold on to for a year, maybe mm-hmm. longer with the strike. So we'll see. God, I hope they had a plan for the second half of this episode before they I just... promise you if this turns out to be the case in part two I will not remember that I've made this prediction so like yeah fair yeah I'll let people <laughs> I'll let people send that in for feedback as a nice surprise next year if it mm-hmm. happens <laughs> uh yeah it's, it's very independence day in that way right with the, the communication via the lights uh like you were saying it, it's not just that shot of it coming through the atmosphere but the way they communicate seemed to be similar yeah um, or at least I guess the way we tried to communicate with him. I don't know how successful that was. <laughs> anyway, uh, Pike. It worked better with... in Close Encounters of the Third Kind, though. So yeah, yeah, not not so well in Independence Day. Uh, Pike meets with his bridge crew. He wants to cross the line literally and asks for volunteers. Everyone volunteers, including Sam Kirk. Uh, Pike introduces the crew to his secret Gorn weapon, which. It's just a box full of enhanced phasers, it seems. <laughs> phasers that, I don't know, rotate their frequencies or something. Yeah, phasers that can, they're tuned to blow through reptile skin. Uh, are the old tricorders that are Tricorders that are recalibrated to detect Gorn life signs. And sure. Uh, sure. the nitrogen grenades. We didn't see one go Common off in this episode, ones. but I guarantee we will on the second half, and that sounds pretty fucking cool. Mm-hmm instant T uh, Terminator 1000 death for any Gorn or I uh, like in Binga it's like oh lethal to, <laughs> to lizards with low blood temperatures or whatever and Binga's like lethal to anyone honestly <laughs> right. you freeze anyone to negative 400 degrees they're gonna die you know yeah uh, no I assume it's gonna be very It's it's gotta be very both best of both worlds right next episode they kinda have to go over to the Gorn ship cause all the colonists are over there that's probably where we'll see the nitro grenades. Jesus. Well, I mean, I so like the best post worlds, they have the Borg who just conveniently don't consider an individual mm-hmm. crew person trapsing a, traipsing aboard their giant cube vessel as a threat. What are they going to do with the Gorn? Hundreds of hundreds or thousands of Gorn on that ship. I don't know. Yeah. And all they got to do is like uh, uh, grab you. Like how, how long is, do do we know because like I've got vague fuzzy memories of some of the episodes from last season do we know how they actually put the eggs inside people is it like a very quick procedure is it something that they have to have you for a while I don't remember um I don't think they have shown because like I'm was 
I, I looked it up to make sure. I didn't think we'd seen a full-grown Gorn until this episode. In fact, I'm not even sure we still have seen a full-grown Gorn. We've just seen a larger one than a juvenile. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we still, don't, we, we still don't know a lot. But I, that's the, some of those things I was wondering about. Uh, I wonder if Mbinga has started mixing up a new batch of the green stuff because that's their secret weapon against the Gorn. Yeah. Forget these phasers and tricorders. Yeah. Just get Mbinga um, out there with the green just shit. Us, just send in the ghost. Yeah. S- send in the ghost with a couple of vials of green. He's he's done. Mm-hmm. Or I should say the Give Gorn. Give him the chapel. Done. They'll fight uh-huh. side by side. Kicks mass. Hell yeah. Uh, I was literally typing break glass in case of Gorn when the show said it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very nice. So, yeah, uh, pretty funny there. Uh, now, also, go- the, mm-hmm. this has been a whole arc of uh, Ortegas like wanting to do the badass pilot mission. Yeah. And I thought it's funny that she's like, you know, she has this realization. She's got the happy, scared realization of, oh my God the captain pike's tapping me to do this but also this is a near suicide mission that would have me disavowed by the federation if i was caught doing it you know yeah uh you've you've been you know you've you've been in my ear about getting this away mission you know here's your chance and eric is like why have i been doing that because normally away missions are not this crazy what do we think about Pike doing an unauthorized mission that could potentially plunge the entire Federation into a war with a violent, pitiless lizard species? Oh, like, it's definitely I, selfish. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I wondered like the the entire time. It's like, gosh, am I on board with this? Because in principle, I don't like it when you abandon, you know, civilians to <laughs> Uh, being forcefully impregnated and uh, incubating some some parasitic lizard thing. But on the other hand, you know, uh, uh, the 100 billion people dying in a war is not great either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is a very Star Trek captain thing to do. How does uh, Pike not know that the Federation doesn't have a commando team that's trying to do the exact same thing that he's doing and might be impeded by his less experienced crew fucking around? It, it's just that that's the other little thing that's niggling me in the back of my Star Trek head is like, God dang, this this particular ship defies orders mm-hmm. and goes against the Federation so many times, like multiple times a season. And I don't. Yeah. I don't remember that being the case in Star Trek's before, where it's like every well, I, once in a while. Yeah, I mean, it was a big plot point in the last season of Picard, right? Um, where right. everybody thought Picard was compromised because, you know, uh, I won't spoil it in case you haven't seen it. It's pretty recent, but... Uh, two, two to three seasons Picard, Picard directly that. deal with the Federation being corrupt at the highest levels or compromised at the highest right. levels. Yeah. So yeah, so, maybe rebel against them twice a week, but in this uh, era, I don't, I don't well, know. But, but they make it a point of like Picard just kind of does this, right? Picard gets all high and yeah. mighty, uh, yeah. gets you know uh, an idea in his head about justice and the right thing to do, and goes off and does it regardless. Uh, I, this is a little different because it's personal, right? It's not it's not about like what's right and what's wrong. Uh, it's more just about like I want to save my girl. Mm-hmm. And so it feels a little bit more. That's yeah. That's the thing because if it was like more petty, right? Yeah, if it was Pike, like there's five thousand Federation citizens, and I'm not going to abandon to torment and death. 
Right. But it you do get the idea that this is, yeah, we had a fight about our vacation last episode and mm-hmm. kind of similar with a Spock. Like, you know, I didn't like how I left things and this person's important to me. So fuck everything about Starfleet regulations. We're going in. Yeah, I, I, I get that you know, like Kirk in the original Star Trek was a little bit of a a cowboy but i yeah i don't know i don't know that he deserves that reputation when you've got like guys like christopher pike <laughs> charging around but uh-huh maybe maybe with the 10 episode seasons I have to fit in three times the rebellion you know to keep up to the old standards hmm it's just it's a, like more concentrated gotcha i think that makes sense all right, uh, we kind of talked about this scene where Una can't figure out a way to get to the planet without alerting the Gorn. Um, and Erica says, hey, let's just fly through the debris and we'll look like a piece of debris or whatever. And Pike okays that plan and Erica gets to pilot a shuttle on an away mission. Um, and as we're flying down through the debris field, Erica's hot-dogging it, man. She is doing the test pilot thing, which I love... The moment where she looks over, like Pike is is just, you know, over there heavy breathing, trying to keep his shit together, trying not to throw up uh, or pass out or both. Uh, and she's like, looks over. I thought you were a test pilot, man. She's like, yeah, yeah. that was a long time ago. I guess I, I was a little surprised at how Pike was shocked by it. But I guess they're trying to tell us, you know, Ortega really knows her stuff. She is the re. I mean, if if and like they actually had Pike uh, give her an aside, like, damn, Erica, you're the real deal. You really know how to pilot. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It. Uh, I I can't imagine any kind of Federation test pilot thinking that this was, you know, you might. I I don't know. I I yeah. I honestly. Ah, I don't not a huge fan of some of this stuff where it's like, why was the crew grunting like they're pulling a bunch of G's when they're falling towards the planet? And then even if even if that was a high G maneuver, do they have inertial dampers or not? Right, right. She flipped them off. She she was like, we're going into test pilot mode here. (laughs) Yeah. Well, to me, it's like it would have been more impressive if she I don't know. They do something because because honestly, I would believe that a Federation shuttle could probably decelerate in a safe like could just literally plummet from the sky and like decelerate in the last hundred feet or so. And the crew would survive it. And maybe Mm -hmm. you even like, I don't know, use a phaser to shoot the ground. So it's like because I was expecting that it's like she's going to like do something to simulate an impact. So the and and that's what's going to wig everybody out. But she just pulls out of a really steep dive. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. But I don't know. I like I said, I don't know how to calibrate uh, your 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 average sci fi fan versus your average Star Trek fan versus people have seen the expanse versus (laughs) <laughs> and and make an yeah. exciting scene for all those people i don't know how to do it but um, yeah the expanse would give a shit about this star trek is just having fun right this is supposed yeah. to be a scene where it's like ah eric is hot dogging and pike talked a big game about being a test pilot last episode a couple episodes ago but now he can't handle the heat that kind of thing but i do think it would behoove this show if i'm giving constructive criticism that as pulpy as this show is trying to be that pulp will go down that much easier if they try to sweat the small stuff Oh, ways. for sure. It's yeah. it's a lot like we talked about with the fight scenes in Picard. Like, I didn't hate the that fight scenes were happening in Picard. I hated that they were poorly choreographed yeah. and, and very badly edited. Um, and, 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 and if you could what... just sweat that detail, I, I wouldn't be thinking in my head while I'm watching this thing, 
boy, this looks pretty cheesy and bad. And and why doesn't this guy just shoot? You know, uh, I, yeah. I'd be thinking about the stakes and what's going on in the fight. Yeah, instead of trying to replicate your average action movie scene, think about the unique uh, Star the technology and setting of Star Trek and how you could do something that people haven't even yeah. seen before. It might not necessarily be even like, because I think you could do like Ortegas, you know, not explain herself, but just screaming towards the bottom. She fires a small photon torpedo, like a micro torpedo or a phaser. It makes this giant explosion and it looks to all the world like there's a crater formed. And then you go back and the, the shuttle's just chilling in the forest and she explains like, oh, that's her standard, you know, uh, re-entry, stealth, blah, blah, blah. And, and then she could make the joke about, you know, Pike could be like, they didn't teach you that in Academy. Well, that's a long yeah. time ago, right? Like, right. You could like, you, you could still make the old... same joke. Yeah, he's not shitting his pants because these are ter- terrifying maneuvers. It's just like, you know, he's an old man and he's uh-huh. not up to date yeah. with the latest stuff. So it's like, I don't know. And, and the, like... that maneuver kind of scared the shit out of him right at the end, right? Cause... Right, because he didn't know. He thought like, oh my God, yeah. maybe she's lost control. We're just not going to pull out of this thing. Um, right. But but I don't know. It's Again, it's a minor nitpick, but I, I do wish... Like you said, instead of trying to like ha- ape um, a uh, fight scene that you saw in a movie that cost a hundred million dollars, uh, why not just try to come up with something unique to Star Trek and make that yeah. cool? That's the memorable stuff to me. Yeah. Uh, all right, let's move over to uh, Spock, who is scanning for life signs on the Cayuga but not picking anything up. It's not looking great because sickbay was completely destroyed, which they assume that's where Chapel would be. Spock's yeah. feeling bad about his last interaction with her being an argument. It's kind of funny that he's like pinning all his hopes, like, "Oh, I can't, uh, I can't wait till the saucer section spins around and sh- and we can see sickbay and how and it's just gone. That whole section of saucers yeah. just and like people on the bridge are like, "Oh my God, it's just gone, Spock. Your girlfriend. Spock, what do you think about that? There's no way she survived that, huh? The, the, the whole fucking block she lived on's gone, Spock. Ah, what are you gonna do? Yeah, it's my God. Yeah, good stuff. Uh." And then we we go back to the planet where Pike's team spots a device that might be the source of the interference field. And there's an incoming Gorn youngling, and they test their phasers on it. It works. The phasers kill it. Uh, but more incoming, so they hide in a barbershop. Yeah, there. Uh, to me, this is an inflection point for the Gorn storyline because either La'an had a singular experience that you cannot fairly extrapolate to all Gorn, or mm-hmm. the Gorn are adapting their tactics yeah um what did you make of the fact that uh they're saying that um that the this animal this gorn looks starving which they're saying well it's because it's not found food which they're trying to make it into well uh that must mean there's no human survivors because if these things look fat and well fed then they're still eating people but they're skinny so Mm -hmm. they're not all right what what do you think is happening here do you have any predictions yeah. of I I mean it they might be telling the story and this might be the loophole how they get out of the Gorn just you know overrunning the Federation but they might be telling the story of the race starting to die off or the species you know that they're, they're just resource starved and so they're spreading as fast as they can to try and find more resources and just not finding them because mm. I don't think this Midwest town has enough to feed the entire species of the Gorn, you know? Yeah, 5,000 colonists, not, I yeah. mean, yeah, like barely even worth it from a reproductive standpoint, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
And that's the thing. Like they they reproduce so fast and so furious that you imagine it would be hard to feed as many Gorn as there must be, right? Yeah. So I don't know. Is that does that make sense as far as like the future of the Gorn? You know, you encounter one on a planet somewhere sometime in the future. Uh, well, I was also thinking kind of that off. maybe there's um like a schism within the species because Laan's talking about how you know these immature Gorn f- fight amongst themselves like in a, a survival of the fittest, so only the biggest and strongest mm-hmm. Gorn survive. I wonder if there's an offshoot Gorn True. that it's like trying to be a little bit more cooperative and you know like are Gorn scientists like is it a problem the Gorn scientists that they use up a host when they're born like are they working on a technology that would allow a host to be you know it's like instead of lighting a burst out the chest what if we beam it out of the chest cavity right as it trains maturity then we can put another egg right in this like are they I just wonder and if there's some way that maybe they could with the Federation's help invent their way out of this kind of vicious life cycle and then Hmm. you know like if yeah, right now the then, only way they can reproduce is inside another being's body like how are you going to tell a, a species not to reproduce like that mm-hmm. has to be solved or they're never going to be able to become solid citizens yeah the challenge there becomes how do you communicate effectively enough to work together on a solution right right but it even, helps even if, if you can identify the problems it would help if there's a faction within the species that's already, you know, where it's instead of the Federation going to a unified front, if there's like fractured and like the Federation can support one side, obviously that's easier to, mm-hmm. to, to, to do. And then if you're going against um, the Gorn unified, but we'll, we'll see. I, yeah, I just uh, think that there's, they're definitely showing that a person who should know is wrong about a great many things about the Gorn. Yeah. And, and it, it's, Hmm. It's another one of those scenarios where like the, the Gorn seem to be able to communicate with us at least in some minimal way, right? Like sending that image of the, the demarcation line between the empires. That's a communication of sorts. They understand yeah. that. Well, I mean, they're hacking a Federation computer at some point. Like they definitely have, I mean, they're not unthinking beasts for sure. Oh, definitely not. But we don't know how to communicate with them. I mean, we could send an image back that we think they might understand do we not know how to communicate like, with them, or we don't? We do not know how to get through to them. I think it's both. I think we like how how nobody has come up with a solution for communicating with them, right? In the I mean, sense of like they don't understand Gord language, or it's the extent uh-huh. that they. Yeah, I'm not. I'm I, I'm not entirely sure because I I'm with you. I don't know how the hell the Gorn are able to communicate a board. The idea of a border. Yeah without being able to understand any kind of speech or transmission. I thought it was yeah, more of like... They, they seem to know something communicate, about communication. I thought it was more like you can communicate with the, the Gorn. It's just that they are so alien that nothing we say in terms of like, hey, stop attacking us or what do you want or something like they None of that stuff parses to the Gorn. Huh. That might be true. They, have, they don't have any leverage, like any species leverage or or any, any inroads to like, you know, g- getting any kind of diplomacy started because the Gorn just it just doesn't compute to them. But I, I could be wrong. Could because again, I don't, I, I don't I, think we've ever seen anybody try and communicate with them. Right. We've only seen it the one way with this image. Yeah. But yeah, I suppose. 
So you think the Gorn just gave a, a like a, <laughs> a gift to Starfleet with the two plant, the planet and the moon and just a, a claw marked scratch between them. And the Federation is like, I think they're trying to discuss a border. I mean, maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, also I would love to yeah, see but, a communication session between them and the admirals, right? They also talk about how they don't know how they communicate with each other because they use these visions. But, like, I don't know that that means... But that, that might be enterprise. The, yeah, that's like saying they haven't cracked the, uh, uh, you know, the, the internal communications for Starfleet. That doesn't mean a Starfleet vessel can't be hailed. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they do... The, they do send us information at some point, right? Yeah. They do send Starfleet information, that image. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure the Gorn and Kirk's day can just flat out speak the, where the universal translator can understand it. So, Oh, but, really? But, wow. but that doesn't mean, I mean, this is years before then. So, uh-huh. said Lieutenant Kirk. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, it would be kind of weird seeing one of these alien like creatures speak. I got to say like intelligible words. Mm. and I know it wouldn't be like actually intelligible words that they're speaking it wouldn't be human communication it would be the universal translator but it would be real weird they'd have to just subtitle it right just do the strange do the strange noises that they probably make and then subtitle it Mm. yeah because there's no way I don't want it to see I don't want to see a a Gorn say hello how are you today right (laughs) would be really weird how are you finding today, fine sirs? Yeah, with a mm-hmm. monocle and a top hat. I, I, I agree. Red alert. Here comes an ad break. Let's boldly go back to the episode. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Uh, so Uhura goes to Pelia to ask for help with the blocked communications I, don't, I have no idea what's going on in this scene, and they haven't addressed it, but Pelia's, like, freaking out and acting weird. Does she know something about the Gorn that we don't? Like, she's she's actively running away from Uhura here. Oh. I, is it just about I, so the conversation that they yes. had previously? Really? No. no well, here, you're the one making it weird then, Pelia. I don't... <laughs> Here's what I think you're supposed to understand. I think Pelia is busy doing a whole bunch of shit because she's a chief engineer in the middle of a battle. And Uhura comes up with a seemingly unrelated request. And Pelia's like, get out of here, kid. I don't have time for this. And then Uhura says, well, it's this crazy you're, It's this crazy theory. It's probably wrong to bother you. And then Pella takes off because that's exciting to her. She's like, now you're speaking my language. You're talking crazy theory. I'm crazy, Pelia. All my theories are crazy. I'm now excited to help you. I this think is not that's my what fault. they're getting. The, the breakdown of communication you, here is not my fault. It's Carol Kane's. Uh, yeah, you have a Pelia uh, interference field installed in your yes. chest and your brain. And is this just, just, yeah, I don't think you're able to interface correctly with, with the character. I, she is working on an entirely different wavelength that just does not register with me. Mm, mm. Can, will we ever have peace between the gyms and the Pelias? We're going to have know. to communicate across space with flashlights because I can't. I can't with her. <laughs> No, but I mean, that's like they really hammer this point. Like, you know, she like the uh, Pelly is just a crazy non conformist does whatever she wants. That's why she likes Scott, the uh, Scotty, because he mm-hmm. has all of her strengths and weaknesses and tends in, 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 in terms of like not following chain to command and not be not being kind of disciplined and maybe 
little uh, unorthodox. Like they they really yeah they they really go out of their way to make her seem like she's this uh, space hippie person. Yep, which that's her character. I don't I don't know. It is. It's I like saying the Deep Space, space Nine. The Deep Space Nine writers went out of their way to make Odo like an officious, stuck up his ass shapeshifter guy. And it's like, well, that's kind of what he was. <laughs> either, yeah. either like it or don't. Yep. Uh, Pike wonders if they can find some other way to deal with the Gorn than fighting them as he worries about Patel. The Gornlings move on and they pick up a human life sign down the street. Yeah, this is where Alan saying that the Gorns are not adding up. They're out there in a square working together as a hunting party. They should be fighting each other. Yeah. Um, and this is where Pike starts to wonder, maybe we're wrong about the Gorn. Maybe there is a way that we, you know, if we don't understand them, this is like proving the, the Admiral's point. I feel like the food route is a good way to go, although it's rough because their food is is People. Uh, sentient beings. Um because I was thinking, hmm, you know, the Federation is on a sort of uh, humanitarian mission here. <laughs> I don't know if you can call it a humanitarian mission to feed the Gorn if they're in trouble, <laughs> since you're feeding them. But you humans. could replicate. You could replicate human stock. Uh, you know, like you could replicate oh, human meat. You could feed them just an infinite number number of Thomas Rikers. But <laughs> right, but what if they want just. <laughs> Oh, you're you're like just splitting their the reflector yeah, transporter beam and just not? clone everybody. Yeah, sure. So uh-huh. yeah, just feed them an army of soulless clones. I was wondering, I was like, well, maybe they the replicated meat won't work because it has to be alive. Like they have to eat it living. Yeah, maybe. Um, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, it's something about this species and their life cycle and their diet is going to have to change, or they the Federation couldn't possibly make peace with them. Yeah, but all this was in service of like, could it really be that they're banding together to track down food because the situation is dire? Mm. Um, And so it's forced them into cooperation. And maybe they can use that as leverage, right? Well, your situation is so dire, we can force you into cooperation with us. So the Federation sets sets into making the situation worse. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But how do you actually deliver anything that they'll see as food without just doing the worst kind of uh moral calculus yeah i don't know man i don't know i'm i'm curious to see where they go because again clearly the gorn are the big bad of this series mm-hmm. and with this with them featured in the second episode i feel like i'm scratching my head more than i think i compare this to the second appearance of the borg which was best of both worlds part one i believe and uh-huh. Strange New Worlds is coming uh, is coming across wanting in the comparison. This feels more I like mean. Ferengi, where it's like, oh, geez, we were going to make everything about these guys and <laughs> just not working. Yeah, so I don't know. Put them in suits in a casino, maybe that'll help. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> you, I mean, it's it's. I don't. Hmm. Is it fair to compare this episode to one of the best episodes or two part episodes of Star Trek? I mean, they're baiting it. Yeah, I think it's fair because of that. Because, yeah, they're inviting that comparison. And and also, that's when Fed the uh, Next Generation got their shit together. Like, I think mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, you, you, you look in their terms of polish and where they're at in storytelling, this, it's, a, yeah. Like, I, I think comparison, season three comparisons to season two, Strange New World comparisons, when you're talking about TNG to Strange New Worlds, I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, so they track down the life sign, which turns out to be Lieutenant Montgomery Scott. 
Uh, Pike asks if anyone else from the Cayuga made it. Scotty takes him to a group of survivors, including Battelle, who are hidden in a diner. And he says he can get them back to the Enterprise with the help of Scotty. Uh, I thought we were going to have another Newt situation when he's like, are there any survivors? And he starts taking them somewhere. Like, ah, boy. It would be hilarious if it was the same little girl. Like, she, <laughs> her parents had taken her to this planet now. Uh-huh. And then the Gorn had arrived again, and here she is. Yeah. I promise, honey, there's going to be no cannibal, <laughs> bloodthirsty aliens on this planet. Just just Come trust on. us. Caesar, she's like, I'm not doing this again. I can't do it again. It happens again. You're on your own, kid. Um... I thought it was funny that they lampshaded the whole officer problem with Star Trek. This is something that people have mentioned. I know you and I have joked about it that like, where are all of the warrant officers? Where are all of the enlisted ranks? Where are the chiefs? Where are the technicians? Where are the crewmen? Mm-hmm. Where's just a, where's just a, the, and um, I've always thought that was just like, oh, well, you know, they're, uh, Roddenberry just wasn't super familiar with how these things work. He's trying to make things look like it's a navy, but it's not really a navy. And the and show's pretty bridge focused, right? Yeah, and the show's pretty bridge. So you'd think on the bridge you'd have a lot more off, but you know, people manning yeah. the con and and right. working their radar screens are going to be lieutenants and commanders <laughs> in some cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but I actually I had some time this morning, so I actually decided to research it. And this was a conscious effort by Roddenberry, who in the 60s was modeling Starfleet after what he thought would be an outgrowth of NASA. And like NASA at the time, you didn't have Hmm. a lot of like sergeants and corporals and whatnot. You had officers because these were highly trained and skilled specialists volunteering to do something dangerous in exploration capacity and he and I, I guess another so he uh, patterned the uh, Starfleet after like NASA and another organization called NOAA the North Atlantic or North uh, the what is it the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Association I, I guess like every person in NOAA is an officer of some type hmm. um, and there's very few like petty officers and enlisted ranks like sergeants and things uh, because it is uh, an organization uh, drafted out of these institutions, but looking for people that are highly educated, with specific skill set. So, like, yeah, you get the idea that, like, you do have, like, obviously you have Chief O'Brien. It's one of the few <laughs> enlisted people you can, you know, one of the few bloody men that works for a living in this universe. But by yeah. and large, yeah, like 90%, 95% of people on Star are commissioned officers from Starfleet Academy because they are an all-volunteer team of explore, explorers, and they all are very highly trained uh, mission technician cap- specialist type of people. I thought that was cool. Something I've wondered about for 30-plus years. Turned out Roddenberry had yeah. an answer for it. That stuff never really registered with me as a kid, right? I, I don't know anything about naval uh, hierarchies or anything. Yeah. So so back then I was just like, oh yeah, it's it always just seems super weird when like a 22-year-old lieutenant would order O'Brien to do something and he had to follow orders. I'm like, wait. Right. Dude, you're like you've been in Starfleet so much longer than this person. Why does this make any sense? But yeah, with the hierarchy of the the command there, I guess it does make sense. I'd say to be a pretty brave junior grade lieutenant that would just completely ignore what an experienced uh <laughs> long-term chief like o'brien would have to say but uh-huh. yeah uh-huh. but yeah. it would happen every once in a while it, it can happen uh so do we ever do, do do they ever deal with the fact that did, did o'brien go to starfleet academy he probably didn't 
Did they ever talk about like when people start talking about the academy days? It's like I I don't know what you're talking about. I enlisted. I uh I don't remember I, specific I peeled, missions of the academy. Just like you know battles he's fought in and things like that. I, I but... peeled potatoes on the USS Intrepid for like six years and then took a correspondence transporter course and I don't know. Yeah, I I don't recall them ever saying he went to the academy. Yeah, and obviously things have changed a lot since Gene. Like, I, I think, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't think everyone had in mind all these things. And, like, I don't think it's entirely consistent. But it is an, an interestingly satisfying answer for why Starfleet is the way it is, I thought. Yeah, it's cool. Um, How how big of a moment was this for you with Scotty showing up? Because I, I really love <sighs> Scotty. You know, I, I'm not super familiar with the original series, but one of the characters that I love the most, it's Scotty. I thought it was delightful, and I guess I have to say I like it better than how they handled like Kirk and Spock meeting for the first time. Where they made that into, a, yeah. I kind of like the the way the show just lets you, you know, the people that have been around Star Trek for a while and and know the original series, obviously are going to get super excited seeing Scotty, a proto Scotty. Mm-hmm. But for other people, it's like there's not any of this, like the camera kind of like nudge, nudge. That's fucking Montgomery Scott. He's going like it just lets you discover that. So it felt like a big moment, but it wasn't played up as a big moment. I thought that was perfect, but I was pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Like, and I, I thought I had in my notes that Jim must be beyond excited because he can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Like, we're not going to have we revealed everybody. Yeah. Pell is not going to be around long. If you got uh, Scotty waiting in <laughs> yeah, the wings, yeah, yeah. her favorite yeah. student, her handpicked successor. Like they are with, all with but... no ship. I mean, he's got to go somewhere. Right. And this usurper. Yeah to the chief engineer position like uh-huh let's not forget she defied starfleet orders stole the enterprise and just declared herself chief engineer she i mean is, that's that's, that's why pike hired her that's he likes the cut of that jib man i don't think he can just hire her i think she's on deck she's like she's gonna be replaced acting, at the drop of chief a engineer no yeah. i yeah. seriously i by when scott showed up i just metaphorically saw her like in the airlock with Akiva Goldsmith on the cycle button, his finger on the cycle button. Like, no, nah, she's she's not long for the for the Star Trek world. I don't think. Maybe next season, yeah, as a transition. But uh, yeah, I sure. thought like, how do you, yeah, how do you feel about it? I thought like that. This calculus must have been going through your head. No way, it couldn't have. Uh, no, I I don't know why. The maybe there was you didn't interference, think a Scotty the interference new field. Ah. No, I, I don't know what happened, but my brain was the not Gordon operating on the Scotty right level. up your ass. It's just. <laughs> interfere with the whole pe- it's just a chief engineer scattering field you just can't uh-huh. handle until and yeah yeah uh but I, I was not thinking about that thanks for bringing that to my attention now i'm excited now yeah. i'm ready to go let's get scotty in there come on what man. did you think Pinch of this get her out of here you know you got you've got uh you, you got the simon original Pegg. you got the simon peg version uh-huh. i'm not familiar if there's been tons of scotties in the lore uh, I mean, those are the only two I know: James Duhan and and Simon Pegg. Yeah, how do you think you stacked right? up to Jimmy and Simon? Uh, he he feels a lot like I don't know. I mean, Simon Pegg did a great job too. I, I, I have so a little too. bit of uh, Scotty fatigue, I guess, with like reintroducing a new Scotty every ten years now. Um, but yeah, I think he's a he's a very good Scotty. It's a, it's a strong start for him, right? I, I I the thing I like about Scotty so much is the humor that he brings mm-hmm. to everything he does, right? Yeah. Um, the the good humor and also the laughs, and 
this Scotty kind of nailed it. He he seems like a you know he's he's not overly optimistic he's not naive but he's very like gung-ho about the engineering and and he's yeah. joyful in what he's doing resourceful and also too. he's kind of funny as well yeah yeah i so agree i think i think he's uh he's a he's a uh, they show has not missed yet on casting i thought they might have whiffed yeah. with 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 kirk last year but i think he's uh turning into just a fine a fine kirk uh i love a her uh Love their Spock. I think this is a strong, strong Scotty. Makes me really excited yeah. to get. Uh, what I, I don't know. Maybe because like uh, it'd be tough to replace Sulu with Ortegas because I like Ortegas so much. Oh yeah, not because I was trying Sulu? to think. It's like getting excited about Chekhov and Sulu, and like they haven't really done much with the person sitting beside Ortegas. But I like Ortegas enough that like seeing Sulu show that I hope they save that for the end of the series. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I assume they're going to eventually assemble the entire old crew to. of the Enterprise, right? Yeah. Gonna get and I also like that this sewer. isn't the show's hanging. It, it isn't what it hangs its hat on either. Like, these are just kind of like bonuses to getting. It's not like, oh, this is the episode yeah. where Kirk meets Spock. Ooh, this is the episode where, we get, where we're going to see Scotty. They didn't even advertise it as such. It's just like, this is what the show's doing because it's this show at this time era. But it's very confident that it's not relying on these to like keep people engaged. Yeah, so one of the things during this episode that was always in the back of my mind that was kind of dampening my excitement for it was the fact that we know Chapel can't die, right? Uh, yes. Because I think they're telling a story that leads directly to the original series. So Chapel cannot die. And I'm like, well, they're really slow playing whether Chapel is okay or whatever. And I guess that's for the benefit of, of the other characters, or not the benefit, the, to the detriment of the other characters. They're worried about her, so that's fine. But you also, have a situation think... with this crew here that we're getting to know and love where you could kill any one of them mm-hmm. at any time because it makes perfect sense. None of them are in that original series, right? At least it would know, be Spock, a moment. Sp- you can't kill Spock. You can't kill Chapel. But yeah. those are the only two. Uh, Uhura, rather. Um, but you have a lot of characters you could kill. You could kill Una. You could kill Erica. You could kill... Uh, they already did kill Hammer, right? Like, you could kill mm-hmm. Mbenga. Long. Yeah. Lon, um, I think that provides an interesting opportunity for me to feel real fear for some of these characters that you don't always get in a Star Trek. Especially since they killed one last year. Like, I was yeah. fucking shocked. That was one of the things that, like, really cemented me in liking this series was that they, I thought that was a ballsy, gutsy move that they killed Hammer. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they could do that with, like, 80% of the bridge crew here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, bonus Himmer meme, by the way. Did you know that he was the lead Klingon in the Klingon boy band last year, last week? The guy who plays him? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I saw that. I saw an email and, and it was very like vague and coded like, oh, you guys might want to look up who yeah. played him or whatever. And I did. And I was like, oh, Hammer, Nice. Yeah. It's funny that they, they got him in a zombie Hammer, And then they got the, the, mm-hmm. the, when he came in for the studio that day, like, hey, you got the, another 60 seconds or so to, to get into a costume and a green screen booth for us? Because, <laughs> well, I'm sure he had to learn the choreography and the song. It probably was more than 60 yeah. seconds. <laughs> it wasn't exactly light work, but, you know, no, no. But but yeah, um, I know what you mean. It's like, yeah. And we got this other thing for you. Yeah, I'm I'm digging it. I hope they keep on finding ways to bring him back. Um, so let's go over to Scotty telling them how they came into contact with the Gorn due to coronal mass ejections. 
and they speculate that the Gorn might be sensitive to certain light patterns. Uh, Scotty then tells them how he managed to evade the Gorn in his shuttle by building a Gorn transponder to make it look like a Gorn ship. Pike asks if he can build another, but he needs a particular sensor array or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, at this point, I was wondering if like Gorn hatched out of the stars. They're talking about like coronal mass ejections. I'm like, were they ejected out of the star here? Dude, I was uh, wondering the same thing. It's like, this sounds good, but how in the hell could this possibly affect uh, a, a species that would evolve? You know? Presumably. Yeah, and one that has starships and stuff. Like, you don't show, you don't coronally eject from a star with a starship, right? But if that subtly changes the light from the star and that's somehow intrinsic to their like mating and reproductive yeah. and feeding cycles, like I, I could. And so they don't, it's even working on an instinctual level. Like they don't even understand it themselves. Um, they just know that they Possibly. see a star with these things and they're attracted to it. Um, but it's something that, uh, you know, Pike realizes is a, is a something that they could use as leverage over them. It might be something they could use to manipulate them. In other words, against the Gorn. Um, yeah, and like you also got Sam here to, to say, oh, you know, certain locust swarm when there's certain environmental. So there you, you got, mm-hmm. it, it, I think it all makes sense. Yeah, you know, like certain fish seek warmer waters to lay eggs, things like that. It's sure makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and then we go over to Mbinga on the planet who's attending to the wounded. Erica helps him as they worry about Chapel. This is a, this is a nice scene. You know, they're yeah. both very worried about the about her, but. They've got, you know, a job to do in the meantime and they're working on figuring it out. So let's try and let's try and just focus on the job ahead, right? It's a cute the idea that the uh, you know, that the uh, chapel's got a killer Ortegas impersonation, you know. It's it's just sure. like I said, it's it's a little gentle scene of characters we don't see interacting with each other very often about a mutual character that they do interact with a lot. So I, I yeah, it was good. It's good. I can't think of many times I've seen yeah. Ortegas and Mbinga kind of like, you know, level with each other. Yeah. They're, they're really done a good job this season of reinforcing like the friendships between some of these, uh, bridge crew or not even bridge crew. I mean, chapel's not bridge. Uh, but, but the character relationships here, I really feel like chapel and Erica just kind of hang out. You know, they they like mm-hmm. each other. They're good friends. Yeah. They have a lot of fun together. Yeah, like, I I, te- I didn't like get that a ton from other Star Treks where I think like, oh, you know, these people just really hang out and have fun. You know, yeah, like there's Worf like, and Jordy and Beverly never like Beverly and Crush no. or Beverly and Picard and Beverly and Troy and maybe. Riker and and anybody really. I mean, he yeah, could get yeah, along with anyone. Yeah, but like you're right. There was a little is a little clickier. Yeah, and a little more like at arm's length kind of thing. They're not. Yeah, it didn't feel like they were spending a ton of time off duty, just hanging out. Yeah, and this show's done a good job with that. These these feel a lot more like people in their off time. Agreed. Uh, so on the Enterprise, they detect more hunters warping in. Uhura says they found where the interference field is coming from. And they want to destroy it without starting a war by causing the saucer section of the Cayuga to fall on it. And Spock volunteers to go out and place the rocket, uh, the booster rockets on the Cayuga wreckage. I, I, I see a big problem with a lot of the stuff that's happening here. Yeah. A, well, so, so there's one good problem. The one thing they set up as very tense that they don't even really deal with 
there's a huge piece of debris, the saucer section of the Cayuga, that they want to drop onto this tower. And this tower is very close to this town, within I within viewing distance. No, it's on the opposite side of the world, right? Is it? Or you're right because they had to be able to walk. Because they go there. to the shuttle. Yeah, no, they, no, no, no. They you're walk right. Out you're to right. The shuttle, which is very close to where it crashes. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. I yeah. I just think I thought there's, there's a, a line of dialogue risk. that said it was on the opposite side, but I think that's just because it's opposite side of the Enterprise because the Enterprise couldn't directly observe it. Right. 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 It wasn't because, on the opposite the side line, of the town. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The demarcation line, yeah. Gotcha. Uh, so, so they're dropping this massive piece of debris mm-hmm. onto a location that's very close to this town. They don't really play with that. I I expected them to, you know? how? And they can't warn them, right? They can't say, hey, this is incoming because they have no communications until they do the thing. No, I was... Huge tension there. They just I thought it ignore. was wild that... Pike and company survived the impact because we see how close it in is when shuttle, it came yeah. down. And I forgot that I, I was thinking that, oh, well, the town is a half a planet away. And like, well, this the, the shuttle's probably hardened, right? You know, like sure. Scott can get bit. some kind of like minimal shields working and all that. But like, yeah, you ain't going to fucking shield the five and dime. You're going to shield the 50s diner that <laughs> right. had no and power. It's so soaked in compelling. blood. Yeah, yeah. That's the thing that shocked me is they do nothing with what I thought was a huge point of uh, a huge problem for them. Yeah, like the how energy, do you communicate? Get the hell out of the way, you know. The energy that thing would deliver to the ground target is yeah, yeah. I mean, insane. And they don't know where the people are. I yeah, it's just like this huge thing that I was like, oh, the dramatic possibilities here are amazing. Yeah, wah wah. They do nothing with it. The other thing here is their whole plan is predicated on the idea that they don't want to start a war. They don't want the Gorn to know that they're trying to blow up this this tower until it's too late, right? Mm-hmm. And they say, oh, you know, it'll just, they'll think it's a naturally decaying orbit. It, it, dude, they came here in fucking spaceships. They have spacesuits. They're an intelligent thinking species. Yeah. They're going to know that orbits don't decay like this. They're in yeah. a fucking orbit. They know how to establish orbits, I, and they know what orbits do. You're not going to trick them into thinking this thing's smashing to the earth or to the ground is a naturally decaying orbit. Come yeah, on. Yeah, later in the episode, Spock will be able to detect residual transporter signals that conclusively show the Gorn stole all of the Federation colonists, but the Gorn right. are not going to be able to detect this giant gravitational disturbance that knocked the... Yeah, it's suddenly it's, veering off of its natural orbit to. And I thought maybe the they would yeah, use like a tractor beam or something. That, but like they're just they say that they're going to put retro rockets on it. So it's like and they do. Yeah, I would think that would be. And it wasn't subtle either. Either it wasn't no. like it just slowly decayed. It's just like it was sitting there, and all of a sudden it just accelerates it to the ground. Off. Yeah, yeah. They're gonna yeah. notice this. They're gonna know this... who did it. I sort of think this is a pulpier episode or, or maybe they're all this pulpy. They just don't ever have to like give uh, so many over multi or, uh, you know, multi overlapping to bullshit explanations for things that we can kind of tear apart because yeah, I'm starting to think that the, the, the science part of the writing is a little rough on these, but. And, and I mean, there's, there's a much easier way to do this, right? Have somebody suggest this, be like, the Gorn are going to notice that this is, that we're doing something here, and 
they say just have a character say something like plausible deniability you know or what are they going to do about it yeah because that's the thing there's a lot of things like in in because this is like a tom clancy book you know where the united states is fucking with russia back in the 80s and there's a lot of things you can do to create things is like you just make sure the other side can't prove it yeah. They can suspect all they want, but unless they can go to the UN and be like, Jacques Hughes, it's not going to matter to a, a whole lot. Like, you know, you got to be mm-hmm. able to send a Gorn ambassador to the Federation to be like, look, we had his demar. But they didn't. Now, I to their credit, I think this pays off. I think the reason the, the hunter ships go and attack the Enterprise is because the jig is kind of up. And more to your so. point, I think they should have said, it's like, look, we're going to have maybe a minute when this thing hits the tower before the Gorn realize what we're up to and we have to have all our ducks in a row. Spock, you got to be on the sensors. You got to be you're ready to beam people up. We got to have shuttles standing on. And they didn't really do... They had that scene where like Pike's, Pike's like, check again, check your scanners again. But I, I thought it, they could have lampshaded it a little bit better to be like, of course the Gorn aren't idiots. They're going right. to know, but we're going to have a gap in the confusion and also prove it. You know, how do yeah. you know you yeah. it wasn't you didn't fuck something up or you get right? get too close? Oh, you're to gonna the... search that debris for retro rockets or whatever? Right. <laughs> Good luck. They disintegrated. Right. You know. Right, 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 right. And it's five thousand colonists. Are we really? And you probably killed half of them anyway. We're really gonna go? Yeah. I that, that's the thing. It's like it, it'd be feels more like real politic than just the other side right. assuming the other team is just stupid and incompetent and helpless. Yeah. Even though they arrived in spaceships. Yeah. <laughs> Shields up, here come the ads. At ease, Ensigns. Welcome back to Baldly Go. Uh, so back in the diner, Pike goes to... Uh, uh, tries to go out to find Scotty's shuttle, but Patel catches him leaving and decides to come with him. Scotty overhears and also decides to come along, and Pike tosses him a pistol, which will be important later. Classic classic at you know tossed mm-hmm. a nervous nervous brainy guy again yeah didn't result in anybody's death so that's a success uh, on the Cayuga chapel wakes and gets life support working for at least an hour she sees the enterprise floating outside the window and attempts the world's most desperate and pathetic SOS with her flashlight mm-hmm. Meh, maybe they could see this but you're gonna you're really relying on Uhura here to it's not even Hura, right? It would be Spock, but he's out. Like he's the guy who would probably observe the SOS. Yeah, yeah. So they well, just got observing. Some they 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 don't have just like you know people looking at the the windows, right? They probably have the Enterprise yeah, high high resolution cameras scanning for things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, I would assume. Uh, but I guess Una doesn't know how to operate those or something. I mean, you're right. It's, there was surprisingly little drama here because it's like, and I, but I, I guess how, how many percentage wise, how many fans of Star Trek Strange New Worlds have seen the original series? Maybe they've seen the if movies. But I'm talking about like seeing all, you know, like know who Nurse Chapel is, know that she's a part of the series, know, you know, about the uh, Menagerie episode and the Christopher Pike of like, I, I, would you suggest, would you even think 50% of Strange New Worlds fans has that stuff on tap? That's going to be my guess because I'm sure there are a lot of old school fans watching this. I know I know a bunch do. So maybe 50. I mean, we're talking 50, 60 years ago when this stuff came out. So yeah, 50% seems mm-hmm. high to me. So yeah, I like maybe. 
this didn't work, uh, you know, in the, the wreckage. Oh, of course, this chapel's still alive. But I wonder if there are some people who this stuff really works on because they have no fucking frame of reference. Maybe. Maybe so. Uh, I, I'm not even sure I would remember chapel because I've seen a scant few episodes of TOS mm. uh, if it weren't for this podcast. So, And I, like I said, right. were, were it not for my dad being a big science fiction fan, I don't know that I, I think I would have gotten into star trek the next generation because i was into space shows in general but i don't think i would have gone mm-hmm. back and watched this old one you yeah. know like but I, this is what happened when i was like seven to ten years old had my dad not been into it so mm-hmm. yeah and you're just like a couple years older than me or a couple years younger than me so you completely missed it yeah my dad was not into it so so i guess they do there it's like because sometimes i like roll my eyes when they have like chapel underneath a thing of debris like oh, come on Come on. Yeah. But I guess, yeah, probably more than half the people, this is a cliffhanger. Yeah. Uh, Spock lands on the Cayuga hull and starts attaching boosters. I, can I just say I hate saying the word Cayuga? I, I always feel like George's boss from Seinfeld. Mm-hmm. Cayuga. Yeah, and no, I... I it's it the feels, worst name. I hate it. If it, it feels weird. Like, I feel like I'm constantly mispronouncing it, even uh-huh. though... I'm not, at least I'm pronouncing it the same way the show is, but yeah, mm-hmm. Cayuga is a very, it sounds like an automatopoeia for a giant, like, car horn. Yeah, for an air Cayuga, horn or something. Cayuga, you know. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, Spock flies past Chapel's window, which, boy, that's a coincidence, huh? But she can't get his attention, so he, she grabs an EV suit off the wall. Well, half the windows that he could have floated by that she wouldn't be that are gone. So mm-hmm. like it's a Monty Hall problem. You're you know by <laughs> you metaphorically open half the doors on a ship. So it's twice as likely for it to happen. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Uh, uh, I, uh, can I say something that like yeah. I look? I know they invented transporters just because Gene Roddenberry is like, there's no fucking way we're gonna have spacesuits, and even I don't even have the money to show a shuttlecraft this season. So we gotta have ways to get people to and from planet. And to and from ships and all that stuff, easy peasy. So the transporter was invented. Having said that, it's super cool that Star Trek now can actually put their dudes in spaceships and send them outside the hull. Like there's mm-hmm. so many times in the original series and the next generation that the the crisis of the day could have been averted by going to the nearest <laughs> locker, getting into emergency suit, and you know, uh, yeah. And it, it's it's so cool that we got the budget where you can pull off this that I think compare, compares favorably to some of the spacewalk scenes we've seen in the Expanse before. Um, yeah, it's good stuff. Yeah, uh, it looks it just it just him going through that debris field with a spacesuit, you know, silently through. And I just thought it was super cool. And it's something they don't do very often in Star Trek. I feel like it's it's and they shouldn't because they do have sure. shuttles the, and transporters. The only time they should and, really do it is when they need to do something manually like repair the hull or something yep. on the outside of the ship, right? Yep, or do uh, something sneaky commando like in this case, yeah. Yeah, first contact has a great scene on the, oh, yeah. the exter- external the taking part of the of the, defle- the battle of the deflector ship, the 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 deflector yeah. dish. I love that with Worf out there with his fucking palette or whatever chopping up uh yeah, the Borg on the uh-huh. outside of the ship. I forget what he's doing out there, but yeah, and he uh, he he's got that sweet thing where he um, what do you call that? He puts a tourniquet on a spacesuit to keep uh-huh. from bleeding out of the air with the Borg's this with the Borg's hose, right? It's like one of the hoses yeah. off. Of the, oh yeah, it's yeah, he t- stuff. tied it off with one of the Borg's conduit. It's so so sweet. 
And that always felt special to me when they went out on the hole. And it was the first time... Man, did that space ever happen is, in TNG? Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the first time I remembered it happening. Okay, not in TNG, but that it does sense, happen yeah. in Star Trek Six. They, the use of spacesuits and spacewalking, and this is a big part of the 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 plot in the beginning. But you're right. Yeah, you're it right. Just, it felt like a big moment to me, and that yeah. was cool. And I I don't think they should overuse it, but I'm glad no. that this is something they have in a tool bag. So Pike's group reaches Scotty's shuttle, and they find a Gorn waiting for him. Um. Also, we're kind of doing, uh, you know, dueling Gorn here, right? On our way out of the ship, mm-hmm. Chapel spots Gorn in her path. And then the Gornling in Scotty's shuttle takes a look at the three humans and leaves, which is interesting. Pike wants to know why. Patel brushes it off, but it bothers Pike as Scotty gets to work on the transponder. I what knew. Do you think is- I already knew. Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah. This, this see, I was I was completely oblivious to the to the uh, Carol Kane Pelia stuff and and Montgomery Scott stuff. I was not tuned into that wavelength, but Patel being infected. Oh yeah. I thought she was going to reveal that she is keeping some secret from Pike, like she was in some kind of elite anti Gorn task force, and she's got some kind oh, of. Oh my god! Yeah, I didn't see her actually, because but anti-Gorn that made Gorn pheromones right? or some shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. That 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 they've got some kind of secret weapon against them. Um, she and turns they, to that him. Would... That's my ex. I'm sorry. I, I I meant to tell you before. That's my <laughs> ex. We we don't speak anymore. <laughs> That they that they I I thought that they might be paying off the kind of like you don't trust me storyline in that way, but it's it's more of like uh, not showing your zombie bite kind of trust that they're paying yeah. off. Yeah. Uh, what what do you think this Gorn was up to on the Cayuga, up all up in some Jeffrey's tube inputting command codes? Uh it could be reconnaissance, right? It could just be. Let's get some information from sure. their ship while we have yeah. the opportunity. Um, I don't know. <laughs> They're putting their own retro rockets on it to boost it at the Enterprise. <laughs> at the Enterprise so they could plausibly say, uh-huh. I didn't know that the fucking debris was going to leave orbit and crash into <laughs> right. that ship. Yeah. It's uh, naturally decaying orbit. Apparently, we don't, we don't know how orbital mechanics works according to Federation, <laughs> so prove us wrong, fuckers. Right. We just, we just, we just dumb fuck lucked our way into space. Yeah, I... I I, I don't know, but it's it's they they show him doing something a try and it's just a single Gorn. You think yeah. like if they were if, if this was like a, an official thing that they have a team of Gorn trying to like break it down and learn all the technology and steal all the secrets. But and it didn't seem like it was hunting for survivors. It was actually trying to do something again. There all these weird Gorn behaviors. What's going on here? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, part two. I'm sure we'll get more information. Um, and seeing the Gorn in spacesuits, I thought was super interesting too, right? Like, I don't know why, but for one reason, uh, for some reason, I think it's one thing to have spaceships that you can mm. travel in. It's another thing to have spacesuits, but they, they go hand in <laughs> hand, right? They have to, it's just Star Trek has trained me. Like they're not necessarily going to show spacesuits just because we should. Uh, although spaceships. I would thought it would be super bad if you had a species that could per- survive like an hour or two as in jaunt in space and I feel like the Gorn maybe like yeah. I could see a Gorn surviving that oxygen because they're cold blooded for you know and apparently not yeah they probably have some kind of membrane covering their eyes so don't have to worry about their eyes freezing over and 
Now, they, they would have, like, long-term, you'd have to worry about the heat loss, but, you know, it's a lot easier to have, like, uh, you could just have essentially a, a, a spacesuit version of a thermal blanket, you know, that you just to have a battery-operated heating blanket that would keep them sure. going. But, but yeah, that they... Tra- mylar tracksuit. Why not? <laughs> Let's get these corn. Because I think that's always, like, good. when you see someone walking around, it's always a badass moment when you see something walk around in space without a spacesuit on, right? You're like, holy yeah, fuck. Yeah, the protomolecule that's... stuff was fucked uh, in the perfect expanse, example right? perfect example yeah it's Those implied hybrids. that Ooh. the aliens and the movie alien can survive and like it is that one uh-huh. that sigourney blew out the airlock didn't seem like it's in super distress until the engine hit it so i always think that's uh so i and and when i first saw it i it wasn't clear to me that it was wearing a spacesuit in fact yeah, it might here. not be it might just be wearing a helmet like with the seals around its neck maybe because that tail yeah, did not look, look like it had a suit on it. That looked like mm-hmm. just a tail. Yeah. There's a gasket on the tail. The tail that's unaffected by space. <laughs> yeah, there's, it's right. Yeah, why would it be? Um, but yeah, uh, Spock finishes attaching the boosters, uh, but he's spotted by Gorn. Chapel arrives in the room, and they battle the Gorn together. It's about to kill Spock. Chapel manages to distract it so Spock can puncture its faceplate, and it decompresses out into space and dies. Yeah, so, it's yeah. the... That's, um, sometimes I feel like people make things more exciting than need need to be. I've noticed this in the last couple of weeks. There's been a couple of shows where it's like, God, I wish you would just stop one that the scene of like chapel, like bumbling towards the phaser in slow motion. Uh huh. Boy, it really about caused me to have a stroke. I'm like, just pick up the fucking gun, pick up the fucking. Oh my God. You trip. How the hell do you trip in zero gravity? Uh, <laughs> But so, and it, so, and it's like and also it's like nothing interesting happens. It's not like she doesn't get the gun and has to do something else. It just takes right, her slightly right. longer and lets the Gorn get slightly more cracks in the fucking. But but the, the, but she just shoots the Gorn. Like stop yeah. fucking around with this shit. I'm it's it, it it completely bleeds the tension of these scenes. I feel like, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, let me let me ask you what exactly is going on here with her hooking her foot on this rail. So. Do, do they not have does she not have thrusters so my my guess here is that she does not have thrusters she's just in an EV suit and yeah if like she a survival were to, suit yeah and if she were to f- like jump at this thing to grab it real fast she would fly out into space and be lost and Spock would die and then she would probably die of if she chose her vector later. wrong of it, you know out, out the nearest right. bulkhead yeah that would happen I think which she's she's like right next to the opening where there is nothing beyond that. Right. So yeah, I kind of get it. She needs to just sort of stretch. What you're saying would be even cooler if she kept on floating, turned around and coolly blasted this guy since she has combat experience. It would be. And then knowing that Spock could then fly out and save her and get her. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And she would be be putting her life in Spock's hands too at the same time, because if Spock is unable to take advantage of the moment that she's going to give him, it's a trust. She knows a, she's dead. Yeah. It's a little bit of a trust. Yeah. I think you, I think we just both in 30 seconds wrote a more interesting version of this action scene, but, but we did get you consider how effective it is to see chapel, uh, awkwardly balancing on top of a railing, butterfingering a phaser for 30 seconds by the man. She kind <laughs> right. of sort of loves is dying. And have you considered super, the music isn't quite at the crescendo level. We want it to be yet. And we right, need to delay. Right. You haven't quite got the full Gorn, anthem mm-hmm. going yeah 
people might not have recognized it yet. Uh, anyway, I don't know. So, yeah, I, I did yeah, think no, it was a cool it, scene. I I yeah. enjoyed like seeing Spock being just totally overpowered by this Gorn. There's n- there's nothing like humans, Vulcans. Nobody is prepared to fight this thing yeah. without the green shit, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I always, you know, I think Vulcans are like roughly twice as strong as a human, and like you mm-hmm. know, Klingons a little bit stronger than that. So yeah, when you, it's like yeah, when you see spock batted around that's code for like every single other person on the bridge crew would do worse one-on-one yep. and he has no like he is just being ragdolled by this thing by just its tail it's not even got a chance to get his claws into him and this is an enhanced phaser right because this is a phaser that spock's spock brings with him surely so this surely he bounces bring, right off although, that full-grown gorn i actually wonder if it was why would they like wouldn't wouldn't pike he, it's not like he had cases and cases of this thing like wouldn't pike bring the stuff he had down to the landing yeah. party it's not like he has a replicator to replicate cases That's and true. cases of these things true <laughs> there's a starfleet order saying you can't you can't this is limited uh, technology uh, hasn't gotten every ship yet well can we just replicate for nope. it Nope, under lock and nope. key at the Daystrom Institute or some shit. I don't know. <laughs> right, the Daystrom has an exclusive patent. It'll 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 expire seventy five <laughs> years after Dangst- or Daystrom dies. <laughs> right, and even then, uh, Daystrom Incorporated is gonna fight it. Right, right. His one of his children filed a extension patent, so it's probably going to be closer to one hundred fifteen years plus life. <sighs> mm-hmm. So we just gotta hold the gourd off until then. Yeah, yeah. With our regular ass phasers. Anyway, um, down for no, the and he's doing this for no money, by the way, because we live in a communist society. <laughs> right. He's quartering the market on Gorn technology and patenting it mm-hmm. just to be an asshole. He's not getting extra money. <laughs> uh, so down in the in Scotty's shuttle, Pike demands to know why the Gorn ran away, and Patel shows him that she's full of Gorn eggs, just overflowing with Gorn eggs. Uh, apparently, happened yesterday. I guess she fucked this Gorn. Oh, this so is her much. ex. They had one final tryst. Mm. That's why she ran him off at the stair. He's like, I'm just not. Uh-huh. I don't have time for this. Don't have time for this drama. It's an affair, not an attack. That's what I think. Right. Happens. How many? Eggs? We're on a break. Look, you said you said we wanted to break. True. My ex shows up. What am I gonna do? Right? Not get not, impregnated not with his it, eggs. Not put his eggs inside of me. Uh, how many Gorn eggs does the average person? I, I thought it's like a onesie kind of thing. Is it multiple eggs? No, no, I'm just making jokes. But because I thought she said I've been infected with Gorn, I thought she said eggs plural too. But did she even not. say eggs? I don't know. Maybe, mm. maybe. Oh right, she just. Re- uh, yeah, I, I actually couldn't tell. She you just what shows the exact her, word her it was. bulging uh, veins in her wrist or whatever. Sure. Because like a Gorn egg infection just murdered your skin. Oh yeah. Uh, so then Chapel and Spock hold hands in space. That's kind of that whole scene. It is a beautiful shot, though. Yeah, the As Kyoga is falling to the planet. Yes. <laughs> Excuse me, not falling. The Gorn think it's falling. It's sure. actually being thrusted toward the planet. Yeah, and uh, it's it's yeah, it's catching on fire. It's it's a cool shot, like you said. It's just I think it's one of the standout shots of the episode. Um... Especially having just you know saved each other, right? I mean, they they both saved yeah. each other in this scene. They both were feeling bad about the way they left things. That could have been the final resting place for their relationship if one of them had died. And, you know, they've gotten a second chance here. Counterpoint. Does this actually make things better or does this actually in the long term 
Yeah, it probably like, means we're going to see more of Spock and Chapel, which is not my favorite part of the show, certainly. But well, I'm just saying, like, just from a character's no. standpoint, does this does this no. do anything helpful? Because it's not like all of the, you know, she's still going to go away. I don't know. Maybe maybe Spock, because it's all. I think it's all in Spock's. Like, yeah, Nurse Chapel's been trying to get a right? fellowship this whole season. As soon as he says, hey, I'm free, and he comes running to her, he thinks she's just going to abandon all of her goals and stuff that she set for herself. And Yeah, that's ridiculous. But I did wonder, because like, you know, like, this is sweet and everything, but it doesn't solve any of the problems unless she's going to give up her dreams or unless he's going to become a lot less conventional. <laughs> Which, like I Vulcan. said last episode, she apparently gives up her dreams, ends up as the nurse on Enterprise, so... <laughs> Yeah, we got some interesting feedback about Chapel's arc that I, I mean, because like I said, I, oh, really? I am aware I'm of Nurse Chapel, but I don't know that she actually had some like, you know, juicy, juicy roles in the old series. And um, they're already like, hmm. uh, they're already um, laying tracks towards that. But we'll get to okay. that in the wrap up because I don't think we're going to, I yeah, can already yeah. tell we're not going to have time to do this feedback this week. We're going to have to. Yeah, it's a long, long episode. It's long an episode. It's over an hour. Supersized yeah. uh, two part finale. So Battelle tells Pike she's not going back to Enterprise. She's going to sacrifice herself to destroy the Gorn interference device. He pleads with her to find another way, but it's all moot because the saucer of the Cayuga comes crashing down on the tower before they can resolve who's going to do what. I like Battelle saying that it's like, what's what? Himmer did it. No one had a problem with that. And it's like, well... Oh, we all uh, had problems with it, right? Yeah, I was about to say, I, I was, we're still uh, I was dealing kind of broken with up that. about it. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh, um, and then they call Pike from from the Enterprise, like calls down to Pike. Pike doesn't sound rattled at all, right? He's no. he's yards away from a saucer landing on a planet, not landing, crashing, smashing down onto a planet, and he does not get phased one bit. Yeah, maybe it wouldn't. Maybe it wouldn't be as big a deal as I'm thinking. I'm trying to think of like what, how far away? If you dropped an aircraft carrier from space, how far away would you have to be before that's not like a big? You know, because my just, pulse doesn't raise and my breathing gets a little heavy. Uh, well, pretty yeah. damn far, like, I guess almost you're out right. of sight. <laughs> but you're not a you're not a starship captain that's been through some violent, True. crazy shit before. So I'm, I'm just trying to think of like you know physically, what would be the energy uh, delivery? Because the other thing is, are a lot of the you know it's like uh, you don't need a very big meteor to hit the Earth to make a surprising impact, but that's because they're going very very fast relative yeah. to the Earth. So it's like. This was in orbit, and it's uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Maybe it, this is more survival survivable than I think. But I also the writers haven't really given me the confidence that they've got the old protractor and slide rule out and done some math on it. So yeah, what but they it, showed seemed hellish. It seemed hellish to be. It seemed like it knock you on your ass and deafen. You know, kind of like the yeah. uh, the Oppenheimer bomb test scene in the Oppenheimer mm-hmm. movie. Spoilers for Oppenheimer. They actually <laughs> set off a bomb. Um, wow. that that like yeah, you'd think that they they they'd be rolling around on the ground, holding your eyes and your ears for a bit. Uh huh. But no, he's he's like beam me up, Scotty, or yeah, Pelia or whoever beams people up on this ship. <laughs> uh, before we had Scotty, Chief O'Brien, who's actually the grandfather <laughs> of the Chief O'Brien we know. This is run that transporting runs in their blood. Uh huh. But, but he's a literally they've been transported so much it's probably altered their DNA. <laughs> <laughs> um, and with the interference device destroyed, Enterprise beams Spock, Chapel, Pike, and Patel aboard. Spock tries to apologize to uh, Chapel, but she tells him to save it. 
and <laughs> not in a malicious way. She's just like, no, we'll talk about it. Uh, right. Mattel goes to sickbay where Chapel puts her in stasis. <laughs> Scotty's introduced to his former teacher, Pelia, to work on the Gorn transponder with her. Uh, yeah, her best student received some of her worst traits. That's uh, I don't know. I, I, I again, I don't like I don't not like Appella, but I also think that like, you know, this just kind of shows her as pretty self-aware. Like, I get it. I get that I'm a lot. I get that I'm non-conventional. I get that that's problematic. Um, mm-hmm. he, Here's a guy that epitomizes that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and he strikes me like the, the guy who doesn't like to do homework and exams, right? He's he's more interested in, I just want to do experiments. I want to get my hands on stuff. Yeah. So, of course, yeah, he's yeah, got yeah. bad grades. Uh. There are a couple of solutions here. So what they're going to do with Battelle is they're going to put her into some kind of stasis, but it's only like a mental stasis, it seems. Like her body is still operating. I feel like they've got two options. A, Mbinga can come in there and say, what the fuck are you doing? Get her in the transporter buffer right now mm-hmm, mm-hmm. until we Thought figure this out. I taught you better than this, Christine. Uh-huh. And Christine's like, yeah, we tried that once, and I had to kill that person. So uh, what now? Uh, or... Potentially, if you want to do a callback to earlier in the season, they could take her to the entities that turned Spock human and say, remove this Gorn shit. Although I don't think mm. they would do it. Yeah, especially since those entities, you'd be like, we didn't fucking put the Gorn shit in there. Like, what the right. hell? Are you trying to use our uh, warranty package on non-warrantied work? This is not... Yeah, I don't yeah. like this. Yeah, I'm thinking it's the Mbinga solution, though, right? That's Gotta like be. the obvious, and because um, it gets it's it's obvious when they put her into stasis that it's not slowing the infection down as much as they want. You can visibly see no. it grow after she's placed in stasis. So, and mm-hmm. right before she's put in, she makes Chapel swear like an oath that like, look, if you can't stop this thing, you got to take me out because I ain't gonna be no baby Gorn incubator. Yeah, fair enough. I would want to either. Maybe maybe she'll get distracted by a conversation with Spock and Patel will become will have a chest burster burst out of her and now they've got Gorn behind enemy lines here. Mm-hmm. Ooh. For the next episode. Gorn. I don't have Enterprise. any special affection for Bet Patel. I actually don't particularly like this will they won't they with Pike and her. Sure. Um it's I feel like I it's like it, but... Pike's already a distracted figure that makes questionable command choices and whatnot. I don't think he needs a romantic entanglement. I think there's been uh, yeah. at, at, at no time have I ever felt like the plots have been improved by their bullshit. So as much I, as we talk about Kirk being a bit of a stretch him being around constantly, although they're finding good ways to do that, this feels yeah. even more so like yeah. every other episode they have a run in with the Cayuga where they're able to connect Patel and Pike which I get it. They're probably in the same, you know, probably under the same command structure with uh, Admiral April and and they, they they're the dating, the so frontier. they've got you know their captains of their vessel with a wide latitude and where it goes. So I'm sure that, but but you're right. It's it's another entanglement that like I don't think the show, I don't think the show needs. Especially like I said I yeah, think that maybe. Pike could could concentrate on on what's going on with his own ship for a while. Yeah, and it's clearly compromising him, right? I mean, I think he is able to make this choice a lot quicker without Patel in the situation. Yeah, 100%. Um, 
So more Gorn warp in as Enterprise tries to beam the survivors aboard. They're too late as the Gorn have already beamed them up to their ship. Enterprise is attacked by Gorn fighters. Admiral April tells them to withdraw. Pike is forced to make a call. And we'll have to wait at least a year to find out what he decides because it's to be continued or maybe longer with the strike. You never know. Exactly. And uh, the Enterprise getting the stuffing kicked out of it. And hmm. um, again, not a fan of Pike sitting there for a good 30 seconds letting his ship get rocked. And he's just sitting there at the stunned look on his face like he can't. Yeah, somebody needs to relieve him because he's compromised. I tried because like I, we've gotten a lot of feedback about like what the fuck is wrong with Pike? He's letting his junior officers fire at mining platforms without his approval, and you know he's letting this happen. And and I was thinking, and I said something. I was there's, there's some discourse I started on Twitter, but I was like, you know, if you think of Captain Pike through the lens of someone who knows he's going to die and probably is sparing at least at least a little bit of a thought to like how can I best get my crew to be ready for my absence and they can still like he then he's letting he's delegating a lot more and letting them take the lead on a lot more it's like maybe maybe his command decisions make a little bit more sense when you think about that but like here this he's just this is just i don't know they're consistently writing pike is kind of weak and indecisive like you cannot sit there and gasp like a landed fish on a pier while your ship is getting obliterated by carnivorous lizards dude you got a yeah. fucking, and especially when your first officer is sitting there like, Captain, can I get a command decision? Captain, can, I, 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 in fact, it makes Una look bad. I think five seconds yeah, in, Una should have been, started barking orders because our yeah. captain's blue screened and that's why you have a second fuck, a first officer. So like, I just, uh-huh. yeah, this, I I think you guys have, have, have heard, I was a little annoyed by this finale episode. Like I, 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 I didn't hate <laughs> it. But I could have liked it a hell of a lot more. And there could have been a hell of a lot more tension if they had just, I don't know. It's like it's like all of the fault, the show's faults that are not huge um, and glaring and are entirely overpowered by the show's strengths and charms. Whew, this episode felt like a real even match between those things for me. Huh. Okay. I'm definitely leaning more into the favorable camp. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. But there are definitely some seams that need to be, you know, sanded away here. Um and, and I, that's true of basically all of modern Trek. I and old Trek too. I mean, all of Trek. Has yeah, this no, those stuff, were right? perfect. I mean, the, no, yeah, God, they, no. they you. I, I can't I, think of a single season of Star Trek uh, the Next Generation. Yeah. They didn't have at least five episodes that were just cover your eyes terrible per season. Sure. Okay, like yeah. maybe three, four though that that dropped to two or three. But like mm-hmm. it's batting at it's the Stranger World's batting average is is superior to almost every the track I've ever seen before. And that's the thing. Like I, I don't want to go at it too hard because the faults I'm finding are pretty minor as compared to previous series. But like right, I I do want them to do better. I always want them to do better, especially you know? when this same crew wrote like half of the previous series we have in mind. Like if you have uh-huh. problems with Disco or Picard, you have problems with the people who wrote the show. Um, for sure but and they're doing a better job here than they did in either of those shows in my opinion i think this episodic style definitely suits them their their storytelling better um and maybe that's what it is Mm -hmm. like this is a continuity piece this is like you know having to deal with like the the big threat through the whole series and they kind of but i I don't know i I just like that this this episode could have been better um and I hope the next, uh, yeah, I hope the next half they address some of the things that we brought up because otherwise, woof, it'll be a rough season opener. 
yeah we'll see i am excited for the next season uh everything oh, i saw in this season you know added up to something i'm excited about uh they they did not shit the bed here in the second season uh no. you know we were so impressed by the first one i think the second one held up very well um so yeah i'm i'm totally in for season three of this show and it's they're allowed to have one episode that one of us hates, you know, like you didn't like the musical oh, yeah. episode. I thought this one again, I didn't hate it. It's you know, it's it's just it's I, I kept on wincing, you know, like, ah, oh, God, I wish I hadn't yeah. done that. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. And it just added up to a lot of, you know, again, massive excitement for next year. But unfortunately, it's not because of the thrilling part two of this thing. It's more of just like, well, I want to see more strange new worlds. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, that's it for the episode. Yeah, we're again, we we just talked way too much about our own stuff, but we're going to have a special wrap up episode next week where we can talk about uh, our hopes and fears for next season and maybe your hopes and fears for next season, too. And we got a lot of feedback on the musical episode of Star Trek. I'm sure we'll get a lot of feedback on this finale episode. Send all that stuff into Star Trek at BaldMove.com. That's Star Trek at BaldMove.com for consideration in our fabulous wrap up podcast next week. Uh, yeah, we'll be taking a little bit of a Trek hiatus after, after next week until, um, yeah, I don't know. I guess we'll talk about that too. Like if any, if there's any off season plans, we do have a strike. Um, it's -hmm. possible that there might be some more Star Trek, uh, coming up, uh, in, in the interim. So stay tuned. We'll talk more about that next week. If you'd like to follow on what else we're doing, you know, uh, we're in the middle of justified, city primeval we're in the middle of foundation which i cannot recommend enough if you are a star trek fan you'll probably like foundation on apple tv plus uh and we are be going to be doing a lot more stuff in the the pulp and prestige realms coming up in september and october and uh, on in the year the best way to follow along with everything we're doing is on any of our social media is at bald move except for tiktok it's at baldest move finally if you'd like to support what we're doing here you like the cut of our jib and you want to keep that jib sale taught kind of lost a metaphor support.baldmove.com it helps us out and you get the ad free feeds and uh, a lot more bonus content as well Star Trek at baldmove.com we will see you next week until then I'm Aaron and I'm Jim later later